This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to bring in my great friend, Senator Kevin Kramer, from the great state of North Dakota. We're going to talk about every darn thing, Senator. Welcome back. Before we get, to the, be back. Well, before we get to the bad stuff, you know, banks failing no. and taxes no. rising and all the rest yeah. of that, <laughs> right. I want to talk about a wonderful thing. Um, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, unveiled mm. H.R. 1, the Lower Energy Costs Act. Uh, this is something that I had been pushing for months and months and months. Every time somebody came on, I'd talk about H.R. 1, open the spigots, reopen the spigots, permitting. And sure enough, they've gone ahead and done it. It is going to be H.R. 1. He invited me down. We did our entire show from the Rayburn Room in the Capitol. And my first guest, of course, was Kevin McCarthy, who unveiled this thing. And really, it does exactly what you want and I want, uh, increasing American energy, critical minerals, streamlining the infrastructure, broad permitting reform. I mean, uh, this has the uh, one federal agency... This has the NEPA reforms that Trump put together that we all worked on, but that Biden reversed. Um, it's absolutely splendid. And, um, you know, it's a compilation of several bills uh, put together by related committee chairs. I mean, it really is. Um, I mean, I got a big charge out of it. Kevin and I sat. They set us up, uh, Senator. They set us up in the Rayburn room, uh, these little chairs. But the the Fox people, you know, they put they put together, you know, Sort of like a paper mache teleprompter and other things <laughs> that you have to have. Uh, yes. Brought in a makeup lady to throw some powder on her faces, and sure. Mac- McCarthy was great. I was scrunched, scrunched in this horrible chair. My my bad back was killing me, but Kevin looked great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the the only thing he didn't do is name it after you. I mean, my <laughs> gosh, this, this is this was your yeah, this was your uh, not. What's so funny is not only are these all of the ideas that you and several others have been talking about for a long time, and you actually were doing when you when you were in the White House helping President Trump, but even even gave it to HR one, which you'd been calling for, yeah. and, and and why not? Larry, I mean, why not? Because this one thing, now granted it's a lot of things, but this one issue of American-made energy mm-hmm. is key to everything else in the economy. It's key to productivity. It's key to revenue generation. It's key to jobs creation. It's key to national security. And, you know, I love how well, I know we'll probably talk about Jay Paul here eventually, but you know I love how he always likes to refer to core inflation, which of course takes out the most important inflationary driver I think um, in in the menu, and that is energy cost, because energy is used in literally everything, obviously, and if it's not used to create it or produce it, it's used to to move it and whatever we're producing. So why not have it be HR one? It also it also draws a beautiful contrast between a successful 
um, you know, economic policy and a, and a failed economic policy. And then to have it come out roughly the same time as the president's budget even further draws that contrast. Uh, so, no, I, kudos to, to, to the speaker and to Kathy McMorris Rogers, who, who chairs the Energy and Commerce Committee and, uh, and the whole team over, over at the House that, uh, that put this together and, and is laying it all out there now, Larry, for us to talk about and everybody to see. I mean, H.R. 1 now, uh, I think, is the absolute most important policy for ending inflation and restoring growth. That's how important I've, I've felt this all along. That's why I wanted it to be HR one. Occasionally on the air, I will read a a partial list like refined petroleum products Mm -hmm. permeate the Mm -hmm. entire economy. I mean, it's like two, 300 areas. Almost everything we do has petroleum in it. And, you know, the Bidens want to stop that. And you, you have to restore that. And then, if we produce more, as you know, from the Bakken and so forth, it'll be cheaper. I mean, it's going it to be, be cheaper, and that's going to allow everybody to afford what they need to afford. And um, by the way, it helps. HR1 helps the greenies because, yeah. right, it'll wait. Right. It, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it goes back uh, to NEPA reform, National Environmental Policy Act reform, mm-hmm. and the one, fe- one federal, uh, whatever it's called, one federal agency – the point is, uh, it won't take ten years. You can get a you can get a permit to do something uh, in a year or two, and that includes no. uh, minerals, right? Like um, up in uh, Minnesota, the Iron Range. That's right. It has yep. all that stuff: lithium and yep. nickel. You know more about yep. this than I do. No, that, that's for sure. The Iron Range of Minnesota, uh, Alaska, yep. uh, um, the Pebble Mine up in Alaska. Obviously, places in our desert uh, southwest have a, have a lot of these same things. All of these are things that we've acquiesced when we transferred our our guilt. And and by the way, got got you know hung up on cheap stuff. We, we, you know, as Americans, we thought wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get a whole bunch of cheap uranium from places like Russia instead of uh, the United States, and, and minerals from China instead of the United States, and um, and it would cost less. The problem is that we just enslaved ourselves uh, to you know to adversaries instead of instead of our, our friends in our own country. but um, And to your point, we mine uh, much cleaner than any other country mm-hmm. mines. We don't use child labor. Um, if, if we're, we should be doing business with our friends, not our enemies, and we would, we, would, we would clean up the environment while we're also creating jobs and wealth and bringing the cost of things down ultimately because, as you know, when you produce something on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, the other side of the Pacific Ocean, you're, you're shipping it. And um, and you just literally raise all boats uh, of the economy rather than uh, picking and choosing. So no, kudos again that they, they really nailed it. I, and I and now what we need to do, Larry, is do exactly what you and I are doing this morning. That's talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, and demonstrate to the American people who maybe don't pay a lot of attention. They pay attention to the price of gasoline as it's going into the tank, mm-hmm. and they pay attention to their you know their own budget as they see. You know, food and fuel taking up a bigger chunk of it, which means they have to, uh, you know, make a, a determination what they're going to spend their their next priority on, and um, and oftentimes that creates a lot of stress. So, no, we just need to be talking about it, and I, I'm I'm glad it's HR one. You can get this through the Senate. You might. It's, so it's an interesting point. So you you raise the point of of the greenies, right? So one of the reasons permitting reform has some value 
is for that very reason, is that guess what they're finding out about offshore wind siting? Guess what they're finding out about mm-hmm. solar panel farms? And guess what they're, they're finding out that the same rules that they, they've used to, to keep oil in the ground are being used against them uh, to, to, to um, permit anything. And, and by the way, same with roads. My gosh, we have this gigantic infrastructure bill with all this money to, to build out our supply chain um, infrastructure, and suddenly the cost of it all goes up because Pete Buttigieg goes and he, he basically ignores the one agency rule, which we put into that law, by the way. Um, and, and they use the agencies themselves, the bureaucracy themselves, in, in concert with their activist friends on the left, you know, put up guidance and memos and, and rulemakings and whatnot to, to try to keep all that stuff um, you know, fr- from actually being implemented. Now, we've been winning some of those fights. We've won some in the courts. The courts have sent a signal to the bureaucracy, nope, um, you know, we're no longer going to allow you to put into rules things that, they let, that the legislature did not put into the laws. And good for Donald Trump again for helping uh, work with Mitch McConnell to create a Supreme Court that understands that what we didn't say in a bill doesn't mean you get to say it in a law. Um, so there, there's, you're, I think you're right. I think we can make a case. Now, that, that, that doesn't mean they're going to accept, uh, you know, the H.R. 1 uh, as is. But in some of these areas, like permitting reform, to your point, uh, I, I do think there's some room for some common ground, a little bit of compromise, and, uh, and, a, and a victory for everybody. I reject the notion that every transaction in Washington requires a loser. We can have winners all the way around if we're willing to work together. You know, the permitting aspects of this, and I, I, you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy and I went back and forth because I, I went into this mm-hmm. um, and much, much better than the Senate stuff. Much better oh, than sure. Mansion. I don't. I never for did sure. know everything um, that came out of uh, who's a Wetsy from West Virginia's bill. But this is broad based oh, yeah, stuff. Capital. Yeah, capital. Yeah. This is broad yeah. based permitting, and uh, would open the door to um, solar, to wind, to battery minerals, to oil and gas, uh, to pipelines. Right, Keystone, Willow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a revolution. I mean, it just is right. an absolute revolution. And the the you know what? If you you'd get back to fourteen, fifteen million barrels a day, we were on pace to do that. Uh, you know, you'd be talking two dollars a gallon gasoline. But again, right. every one of these, you know, from your clothing to your eyeglasses to your stethoscopes, all this stuff that re- refined petroleum is used in our daily lives. Uh, toothpaste, by the way. Anyway, the point right. is that cost would go down. It, it right? would, and I think that's right. And and the thing about the mansion experience, and and this, you know, I was up to my eyeballs on it because the the issue that the left is pushing so hard is to be able to first of all give more federal authority to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission when it comes to siting transmission lines, electric transmission lines, and the reason that's so important to the left is because they want to be able to cite every little localized project, put up transmission lines, whether the transmission lines have any value to the greater good, in other words, the region, the regional grid or the national grid, and then allocate those costs to everybody. And that, that was a, that's a really fundamental problem mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. for any pre, you know, uh, pro-market uh, solution, which our whole system, by the way, of electricity is, is, is built around a cooperative federalism model. Mm-hmm. If we can fix that piece, because... Remember, these transmission lines can't get cited or, or permitted any easier than, a, than an oil pipeline can. But in their law, they were making it easier to do that. But 
but not a lot easier to do other things like like oil pipelines, other than the gas pipeline in West Virginia, which is really what the whole bill was, <laughs> was frankly all about. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, well, just one, uh, 10 seconds, Senator, before we take a quick sure. break and come back. Sure. Uh, would this be 51 votes in the Senate? Um, wouldn't be 60, uh, would it? It, it, it would it would be sixty if it was the whole package as it is. Now um, we're never going to have a budget reconciliation package in a divided government. So yeah, anything that we would pass would require would require sixty. But again, here's what I look for: How can we get instead of looking for for how you get fifty one lefties and then and then coerce nine Republicans into a you know a mediocre package, which would have a hard mm-hmm. time passing in the House? Why don't we figure out a way to get? 30 reasonable Republicans and 30 reasonable Democrats to agree on something. Maybe we'd get 35 of each. Mm. This notion that we always have to go to the extreme on the majority side and then, and then sort of drag a few souls with, let's not do it that way. Let's take a look at Kevin's bill. I think it's great. I think, I think, you know, there's opportunity there to be, to be had and just find a way to, to get a good big bill done that may not be everything you and I would agree to, but at least it would be, at least it would be closer. All right. Quick break. Uh, Senator Kevin Kramer, North Dakota. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Larry Kudlow. Larry Kudlow. We are here talking life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness with North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer. And, um, Let's uh, shift over into Joe Biden's budget, which Ted Cruz says was written by Bernie Sanders, which I think probably was right. Five trillion well, it certainly reflects them. Yeah, five trillion dollars in taxes, Senator. Five trillion. By the by, what hasn't been given much attention is massive spending. There's a whole laundry list of spending. You know, this thing is not about deficit reduction. This is about taxing successful people. In order to build a bigger social welfare state, that's what this is about. Well, and and by taxing more people, um, it will it will create a welfare state by creating a lot more welfare need, um, as opposed to creating wealth, which leads to jobs, which means we should need less welfare because welfare, the best welfare program, is a job and, and wealth creation. Uh, there are so many things in this budget, just on the surface, Larry, that that bother me. But perhaps one of the biggest things. Is, is the how much the, the public held debt as a percentage of GDP would be a brand new record, mm. not, not since World War II. Now, that speaks both to the deficit problem and debt problem as well as the productivity problem. And so I, I just, for the life of me, why we don't want to get people back to work, create more job opportunities, more productivity. You know, even in some of the recent somewhat good news uh, re- relating to um, workforce issues now, um, there's still a productivity problem for for whatever reason Americans are less productive collectively and individually, and as you know, a great big country like ours with a great big economy like ours with with the leadership um, and, and global leadership that that we provide, we need to be as productive as we can be, and we have lots of opportunity to do it. But raising taxes and borrowing more money and higher regulations works against all of those. Well, I'm looking at this. Um... Spending would be twenty five percent of GDP. The fifty year the fifty year baseline average there is um, twenty to twenty one percent of GDP. So they would bring it up to twenty five percent. Deficits would wind up being at the end of ten years six yeah. percent of GDP. 
Yeah, and sure. debt as a percent of GDP would be 117 percent at the end right. of this thing. 117 yeah. uh, percent. So you know, I'm proud of them. I mean, what they've done here is absolutely. This is the most left wing budget I have ever seen. And I, I know it's dead on arrival. Thankfully, I mean, thankfully it is. But but it does but it does identify the the culprits here. Um, if people pay attention, and again, if we talk about it, I think we have to do some talking about it and and reveal the nonsense and all of this. Because if you you know if you're just sort of reading the headlines, you might go, oh gee whiz, that's a that's a lot of the nice important priorities. Until you start drilling down and and in helping people understand what it means when you have low productivity and high debt or 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 you know the debt to the debt to uh gdp ratio it's just outlandish and works against the very things you and i talk about all the time the things you talk about every day on your television show and that is how to put people back to work Mm -hmm. um and, and give them a job rather than a welfare check there's no uh workfare or work requirements in fact let me read you some of the stuff uh, on the spending side, uh, $430 billion child tax credit, $155 billion expanded earned income tax credit, $325 billion paid family and medical leave, $600 billion universal preschool, $200 billion secondary education, a couple of hundred billion more for Obamacare subsidies. Now, not one of this stuff, not one thing is paid for, but the point is, not one of these welfare programs, and we could go on and on. The, the list is, is too – I mean, it would take me my entire show here. It's three hours. But nobody has any work requirements. I'm not opposed to social welfare benefits if people need them. I'm not. But they're not forever. You help people get back, on their, right, get them back on their feet and then get them job. These are able-bodied people that are eligible for this stuff, uh, Senator Kramer. I mean, that's the and able, and it, That's right. And able-bodied is the key point that you, that you just made. Um, and by the way, the standards in previous workfare programs uh, were not super high in terms of what able-bodied is. There are age limits. There's obviously, if you, if you have a disability, um, there are issues that, that have to be considered, you know, uh, but, and standards have to be considered. But, you know, one of the, the favorite politicians from North Dakota, uh, because we claim him because he came here and lived here and ranched here and his, his presidential library is being built here, is, is Theodore Roosevelt. Wow. And when he wrote about and talked about his time in Medora, North Dakota, in, in his autobiography, he, re, he refers to the hardy life and he called it the ours was the glory of work and the joy of living. Mm. We do not talk enough about the glory of work, okay. the joy of work. That's the, wonderful. Right? With lifting people up means not just lifting them up economically, it means lifting them up personally, socially, you know, and and we've just created this incentive to your point. If, if there's no end, if there's no limit to, to the welfare, why would anybody work? And that's exactly the direction we're headed. It gets back to my productivity challenge. What do you say? Um, the, the Wait, TR said the glory, you call it the glory of work? Ours was the glory of work and the joy of living. Wow. I love that. I that love was that. His, his ranch life. Yeah, his ranch life in North Dakota. Mm. It's chapter four, if anybody wants to read it, the cowboy life huh. uh, in uh, in North Dakota in his autobiography. Yeah. You know, I forgot about the North Dakota. Yeah. I always, yeah. I always thought of him as South Dakota. 
No. Well, that's because he's got a great big head carved into a beautiful mountain. Um, <laughs> but wait, where the, the Badlands were in North Dakota? Yeah, the, the North Dakota Badlands, Theodore oh. Roosevelt National Park. It's the only national oh. park named after an individual. Huh. So I've got some wonderful opportunities for you to come out uh, come out there and, and do your show in the beautiful setting of the Badlands. It also happens to be the heart of the uh, oil country. Well, I know that. So you, you're going to give me a ride out there. We're going to do it, by the way. We're yeah, going to do gonna that do show. We're, we're going to do this before the end of the summer if yeah. it's the last thing I do. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're going to do it. Maybe stay there, too. Have some fun. Yeah, I've never been. Sure. I've never been to North Dakota. Never. Never set foot. Well, I've been to we're going to make Dakota. a memorable trip. I once yeah. gave a speech to Pierre. That's in South Dakota, oh, yeah. right? Pierre. Yep, that's the capital of South Dakota. Yeah. Right. I knew that. I knew that. Of course, we were my saintly wife and I were married in Montana. She's from yeah. Montana. We know all about Montana. That's why I wanted to shoot the balloon down in Montana because there are no people living there. <laughs> well, with our luck, if they shot the balloon down over Montana, it would hit one of those eight point five people per square mile. Well, that's right. I had Steve Danes on. You know, he's a good guy. Uh, he's a great guy, and he was trying to tell me stuff about Montana. I said, "Senator, forget about it. I know all about Montana." <laughs> Oh, you can drink. There's no speed limit. You can drive for hours and not see a human being in Montana. <laughs> it's a big place. There's no question about that, but it is. But it's probably true for North Dakota. I don't know anything about it. It's similar. Dakota. It's similar. It's not, you know, it's not as mountainous, but the Badlands are spectacular. Wow. And uh, the topsoil is, is um, rich. And the, right. underneath the soil are these beautiful minerals. God gave it all to us. It's as beautiful as can be. And we'd be irresponsible if we didn't use it all. Um, for the benefit of mankind. The glory of work and the joy of living. Terrific stuff. Senator Kevin Kramer, thank you, sir. You are the best of the best. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. The other side of the break, we're going to have, I think we're going to have John Carney of Breitbart talk about this bank in in, uh, Silicon Valley. 